And I said, well, you know, the failure rate for me, it's around five to eight percent. Uh, but it's not because I make better decisions. It's because I help the company before they go busted. We have a very hard time in Latin America um, connecting with people because we connect with people for life. <laughs> you don't have to connect with people for life. I mean, and angel investing is like That's getting so married knowing that you're going to get divorced. <gasps> One thing that we have that is very good, that it takes us apart from other Latin Americans, is our optimism. We're going to hell and we're singing. <laughs> everyone and welcome to a new edition of the Venezuelan Diaspora Project. I'm super excited today to have my uh, dear friend Alicia Castillo-Holy, a Venezuelan from El Limón, uh, who's an entrepreneur, investor, and PhD. And welcome, Alicia. Thank you. Thank you, Chiveto. So nice to be here. But Alicia, tell us, what do you do? Well, thank you. I am an investor. I invest in companies and I have been a serial entrepreneur. So I've been investing for around 30 years in companies at early stage. Um, I also recently built a hotel, which is doing really well despite COVID. And uh, I'm very, very active in the um, Silicon Valley community. I have a an investment club that I started a year ago where we allow investors that are accredited access to vetted deals that are co-funded by venture capital funds in Silicon Valley. And that is really, really exciting. I have a very intentional focus on minorities or underrepresented founders and pro-inclusion in everything that I do from investing to accessing executives and supporting board members as well as investors. That's awesome. And, and why do you do that? Why focus on, on minorities and uh, underrepresented communities? Is there like, what's the reason behind I, it? Well, because I was helped. Because uh, people, people told me the things that I needed to hear because I did not come from a family where angel investing, where actually any money was discussed. My family was very intellectual and there were researchers and academics and we never talked about money. And through my journey that we'll talk later, I discovered that if I wanted to create a change, it was through entrepreneurship. And then I discovered that entrepreneurship without capital is very, very difficult. So I, I run programs. I run a program called Women Get Funded, training programs. But if I really wanted to make a difference, I had to invest. And I made some very, very good investments with very good returns. So now what I want to do is I want to professionalize angel investing. Mm. When you mean professionalize, is teach other folks to do it? Uh, well, it's very hard to teach somebody to do that. The best way okay. to do it is to hold their hands and, and show them this is a deal that you can invest in and, uh, and access good deals. Because, you know, if you've never done angel investing, it's really difficult. I feel that uh, the wealth gap is also... Um, relevant to investing. We're used to thinking that we're going to work hard, we're going to save, and then we're going to leave off our savings. And investing in somebody else's business is just a fantastic profession, but not a lot of people know how to do that. So uh, it works not only for the founders that we support, but also for the investors that we allow to come 
and participate in very large rounds with, uh, with a little bit of money and diversify the risk. Got it. Got it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And there is there a, uh, the reason I was asking why do you focus on minorities is it's because you're giving back. Um, is there, has there been, do you think, a correlation between having a diverse, diverse portfolio and having better returns? Or is it not I about the returns? So. I think so. I think diverse, and it has been proven that, so there's few things. Uh, and I studied that. I have a PhD in finance. And my supervisor was focusing on gender diversity and small business funding. And I love numbers. I'm an engineer. I, I just love numbers. So I do a lot of analysis on an Excel sheet. So this is what happens. Underrepresented founders or founders that are not born in wealthy environments tend to be very efficient with assets. They tend to be very efficient with their money. Because they're very efficient with their money, they ask for less money. But because they ask for le less money, also the value of the company suffers. If we can change that because they work harder, if we can change that, the value of the companies are going to increase. And if you have a company with higher, higher valuation with less investments, then your return on investment is much higher. But really what we're doing is we're, we're changing socioeconomic development to make a better system for everybody, not only for founders, but also for investors that have worked very hard and have saved a lot. And the only way that they can get reward from their investments is through the stock market, which is later stage, or through mutual funds or through bonds. And all of that works, but I believe that everybody that has the capacity to support a, an emerging company should do that for the benefit of socioeconomic development in general. And it's also a good investment. Right, right. <clears throat> so um, how do you choose companies? I, I how choose companies. How do you value them? <laughs> Well, uh, there's so I work in, in two complementary areas. I'm a member of St. Hill Angels. I was on the board. I lead or I co-lead life sciences because uh, that's an area I know very well. Uh, and I also have the investment club. In the investment club, we invest in later stages. So we invest. They have to have a signed term sheet uh, and in uh, a, a deal deed, which is a VC fund. So for those we don't renegotiate the term sheets. What we do is we do a big education with our members so they can come and they learn by doing and then everybody makes their own decisions. So if they're not comfortable with something, that's fine. Right. That is the investment club. Uh, and we get them by referrals. We have over 40 uh, VCs that send us information and then we get a lot of things from LinkedIn as well and from my, from my own work like Network. these and yeah. my own work. <laughs> For, for seed and pre-seed, and also because I'm, I'm 16, I just turned 60, so you know, I've been working on these for many years. So there has to be some advantage on that. And, uh, <laughs> and you cultivate very, uh, very good relationships. I don't deal with toxic people, I just mm -hmm. don't. It's not that I don't deal with, I don't. So if there's toxic uh, investors, I don't deal with them. I don't believe in Shark Tank, I think it's bad. I think investors have a bad reputation. I, I think a lot of people want to do amazing companies and you don't have to compromise between doing something amazing and profitable and good for everybody. I, I really believe that. So for the seed and pre-seed, that is where you get into valuation and that's where you get into term sheets in a different way. And I have a whole process, uh, but I mostly invest in companies where I can add support. So it's not my mm -hmm. money, but it's the money that contacts the knowledge that I bring to the table. Uh, because I see so many deals, I see we see around 100 deals at St. Hill Angels, and we see between 30 and 40 
at wealthy. So it's like 140, 130 per month. Uh, because we see so many deals, I've and because I work on these for so long, I I can very easily in 10 or 15 minutes figure out what is holding the value for a company. So that's something that that we do as well. We unleash the value for the companies, um, and then so 80% of my companies are, are are companies that I invest where I know very well the market, the industry. I know what are the pitfalls. I know who else is competing in that particular market. Uh, I also rely on advisors and my colleagues. And then 20% I do because um, because I like the entrepreneur, even if they might, you know, they might fail. I fail too. Uh, and uh, and I want to be the, the supportive person for that. But in order to do that, I need to make sure that I make enough money on the other ones. So that's how that's I balance interesting. that. That's very, very interesting. So you, there's like bets that you do that are for the purpose of learning. So to support the founders founders journey in a way right and, and new things like i'm exploring now nfts nft is really good i have i have one i have one uh lead for you uh venezuelan you guy i just interviewed before this jns i'll send you his instagram um he's doing a lot of photo photograph so his thing is it's so interesting that you brought it up um just like you're doing digital transformation for a lot of B2B businesses, there's a whole like consulting world of helping businesses become digital. And so because he's an artist, he's helping other artists transform into crypto. So he's th I told him like his thing is crypto transformation for artists. Uh, oh, that's great. That's yeah, great. Supporting I just them, saw like, a company yeah. doing NFTs for music. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, yeah. it's, it's very, and, and, you know, I like space, so I would invest in space. And now I've gotten to know a lot about space and video games and, uh, and subliminal education. I mean, there's things that I just find interesting. Um, but one thing that is common is that the entrepreneurs that I support are always passionate about the change that they're making. So if somebody comes and says to me, you're going to make a lot of money on something, that is really a little bit of a discount because I do make a lot of money on a lot of things. And so uh, money is not a motivator for the entrepreneur. It has to be the passion about making a transformation. Having said that, there's a lot of people that have a love and hate relationship with money. Money, and yeah, I'm, I know. And I'm going to yeah. promote a book that I wrote because I think it's fantastic. Go ahead, please. Because you, you get it free online everywhere. It's called The 10 Unwealthy Habits or uh, Los Diez Hábitos Anti-Prosperidad. And I have to finish writing one for, uh, for women and finish writing one for Latinos. But, you know, if, if you hate money and if you think investors are bad, just don't ask for investments. That's not going to go. You, you have an internal battle and that's not going to go. And I personally had to overcome some challenges because I grew up in a socialist family in Venezuela when it was socialist in a socialist town. I mean, I didn't know anything about business until I was 35 or 34. So... How did you become an, an investor? Like what, how did you well, come that, to? That, no. that is a great question. So hmm. I, um, this is very interesting. I was a researcher at uh, Universidad Central de Venezuela. And, uh, and I was a very early researcher. I mean, I presented my first uh, rated paper at 16. So I was really, really young. Wow. And I was a little kid. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and it, was, it was just amazing. And, one and six. I, I, one 16. Six, yeah. 16. Wow. And by 18, I have presented eight papers. Of course, I got all the, all the uh, 
uh, prices that you can imagine. And I was so full of myself because I thought, ah, oh, so smart. So, yeah, so I, I, yeah, so that was, it's kind of embarrassing actually because I, I was really arrogant. Uh, and I graduated very early too. But that's, uh, oh, I'm glad I'm not like that <laughs> anymore. It, it took a lot of meetings though. But, um, but so I was very passionate about uh, the lab. And I still am. So my focus is always life sciences, and I have a master's in uh, in uh, biotechnology. It was not a PhD because at that time the Universidad Central was not offering PhDs. But I think I learned more there than in another. I have another PhD that is in uh, finance. But um, but it was amazing. So I realized that I couldn't have I couldn't make a living just being a professor. So I started a landscaping company, and then I went to work for Bay and Shell. And, and kept the three things. So I kept working at the university as a researcher and a professor, working at Bayer, that was one of the conditions for me, and having my landscaping company. And so I learned a lot. And uh, when I went to do my MBA, I realized that I really wanted to change socioeconomic development, and entrepreneurship was the best way to do it. I went to Chile. I started the first Center for Entrepreneurship, and uh, it was it was just an amazing, amazing experience. I, I was just at the right place with the right uh, um, skills and, and knowledge. And, uh, and then I realized two years later, we were stuck. I mean, you can have all these amazing deals, but if you don't have capital, if you don't have resources, you're not going to go anywhere. So capital so was the binding I, constraint. Yeah. yeah, so I started the first seed capital fund in Chile, and it took me over a year to improve the business model and I talked to over 1300 people and I developed a methodology to do that and uh, and I have different methods and uh, you know venture capital angel investing are two of around 50 ways of funding your business and I learn a lot because people do find the resources so uh, I have I wrote another book called funding your million dollar idea that talks about the different uh, the different ways of funding a business but being on the side of investors and being a VC opened a world of opportunities for me, including understanding how the investors feel and why it is so important to get the right expectations. Because you think about it, an investor puts their money in their in their pocket and, and gives it to somebody. Now, a VC is sort of a hybrid because the manager of a VC doesn't have doesn't necessarily have the money, which was my case. So I was a VC first. And we made a lot of money, and I made a lot of money. I was able to then pay my debt, my MBA debt. I, I got a scholarship, but I have to support myself. And uh, and then that once you get into angel investing and you start having successes, uh, that there's nothing like it. There's nothing like helping an entrepreneur transform an idea into a goal and then continuing to grow it. And and of course, as I mature, I meet other people. My company's mature. I interact with other people, I make mistakes, I, I have successes, I have failures, so I become a more savvy investor. But every, everybody can support a startup or a young company or a small company without investing too. So there's a lot of things that we can do, but that's how mm. I got into, into investing. Wow, that's, that's amazing. So you've been in LATAM in Chile, I did not know that part. And any, any how was it um, being having that functioning in, in Chile. Um, any oh, Chile stories that great. you can share? And, yeah, Chile was great. And actually, I was on the... Uh, so I, was, I, I went to Chile in 96, right after I finished my MBA. 
and and for the purpose of everybody here, I lost, I saved money for five years working at Bayer to go abroad to do a PhD. I realized that what I wanted to do was an MBA because I did not know how to run businesses. And I wanted to understand how could we create a Bayer? Because I thought, well, you know, why, why the Latinos have to do all the work and not get all the paid? The equity. So, <laughs> yeah, and, and then I learned to price things and, I, and, and to have good uh, services and to pay people well. Tell us about the changes that you've seen. Have you seen things moving forward, backwards over the years in terms of women's participation in, in VC and, and in business in general? I mean, the reason I... Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, a very, that's, a, that's a great question. And, you know, um, I grew up in Venezuela where women could do everything. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we had uh, the, I can't remember, the Miss Venezuela that wanted to be the, the president. Um, Irene Saez. I can't remember her name. Irene Saez. Irene Saez, yeah. So we had amazing women. They were gorgeous. They were smart. They were, uh, they had no um, inferiority complex. And it's, so I grew up with that. And I never thought being a woman would prevent me from doing anything that I wanted. I just, I just didn't think about it. And I think we're better prepared because of that. Um, and uh, what I, so there's, there's few changes. I, I lived in nine countries, so I see a lot of differences in countries. Countries where you have domestic help are kinder to professional women than countries where you don't have domestic help. So I see a lot of shaming on women. And uh, I was just having a conversation about that. So uh, we don't realize that. There's a lot of microaggression towards women uh, in many countries. Uh, you know, you have to be pretty, you have to be skinny, you have to have the right hair. I, I remember uh, Hillary Clinton wrote her book and the title of the book was gonna be "Is Still About the Hair. And you can see that. And, you know, I noticed that, that we are very uh, judgmental towards women uh, in the U.S. And a lot, a lot of people don't want to say that, but we are. And, uh, and that's why you have to have the perfect smile. You know, you, in Australia, you have your, your teeth are all crooked and, and you don't care how you look and that's fine. But then we have the other issue, which is maternity. So mm. being a woman is very tied up with being a mother. I don't. I don't make that connection because I have, well, first of all, I was a single mom. And, and second, I have a lot of friends who are the stay-at-home dads and they have a horrible time too. And I think that we diminish how important it is to raise kids, but we also over accentuate that if you have, uh, if you have a vagina, you have to have a kid. And that is not the way it works. So what I see is that Women my age have had to make, a, in the U.S., have to make a very hard decision about being a professional or being a mother. People that are younger are not having to make those decisions because the society is more tolerant. And, but still, we have this thing that if you're a woman, you have to have kids, and that takes a toll on what you can and cannot do because society doesn't help you because it's expected that your partner is going to help you. So that is a big obstacle that we need to solve. Then it comes time where women are starting companies. So women are starting companies at a faster rate than men, uh, especially Latino women. So the rate of startups for Latino women is like 10 times. I think it's eight, 
eight or nine times, not, not quite 10. But one of the reasons is that Latino women get paid 43 cents on the dollar and they get given less tasks. So the second observation is the discounted factor. I know as an investor, and with my name, Alisa Castillo, uh, Alisa Castillo, Holy, but Alisa Castillo, um, people assume that I am less valuable, I'm more stupid, and I don't have the money to invest. If I'm sitting in an event with a man that is white and has an Anglo-Saxon name or a German name or a, a Northern European name, the assumption is that person is making the decision, that person is a better guy than I am. And that happens at a VC level. So now a lot of people are saying, we need more VC women. Well, it is again, an uphill battle because you need to be aware of that. And, and a lot of people are gonna discount my value as a VC because they assume that I'm a woman. And that is the reality. Uh, the other thing that happens is that there is a, a misunderstanding about how relationships work between genders and races. Every time a woman, and I researched that extensively for my program, Women Get Funded, but it also happens with blacks. I have, I have a subgroup called BBL, Brown, Black, and Latinos. Um, so if you are a woman and you go to a meeting and, and there are men involved in the meeting, in the back of your mind, you are thinking, who is gonna make a pass or a comment that is gonna make me uncomfortable? It doesn't happen all the time, but it's always in the back of your mind. And that is the first thing that we need to overcome. So that's why the program that I have, the first thing is how do you have the right mindset? Because instead of saying, I'm gonna be strong and I'm not gonna, you know, this is not gonna impact me. It's how you react to that in the same way that I've been in meetings where people don't wanna to talk to me because I'm the woman, they wanna to talk to the guys. And not only that, I organize a group of angels to go to Vegas to a big conference and the organizing knew me. Well, the secretaries at the organizing table would not allow me to go into the meeting room because I had not paid as an entrepreneur. And I said, well, I'm not the entrepreneur, I'm the investor. And I had to call the organizer because I had her phone and it was another woman. All right, investing in 2021, the future of investing. Uh, this is a question I had in my back pocket. <clears throat> How do you see with all these changes around um, the regulations on who can invest in companies and the crowdfunding platforms um uh, have is that has that been positive for the industry and and how do you see that moving forward in terms of ac having people more people have access to vc funding and, and startup funding that's a great question and yes you know uh we are democratizing uh, angel so angel investing and vc funding and something that i call equity investment are all part of um, investment by rewards. So you can, you can have investment by impact or by, um, uh, by image, which is, I call it unfunding. You can have investment by, um, you can have investment by equity, which you share the rewards and you can have investment or, or funding by debt, which is you share an obligation. So there's, there's three different pockets. Um, I, I think I think people are getting more used to investing in startups, and I think there's some crowd platforms that are really good. So Republic, Angel, um, I'm actually a, a 
I can raise money on angel for companies that I invest because I have been certified. Uh, there's Republic, there's FIG, um, there's a lot. And, and there's been a lot of work that has been done to allow people to invest in those companies. The, um, the other thing is that the definition of accredited investor was changed in the US was, was changed in August. And because of COVID, nobody knows. Nobody realizes that. So I, I put a post at LinkedIn, uh, a post on LinkedIn about that. And now pretty much anybody who has worked in a business or has a business degree from a recognized university, again, talk about the wealth gap. Yeah, there you go. Can be you don't have the right credentials, you can't yeah. invest. <laughs> so, so, but you know, it at least it's opening, uh, it's opening the door. And there's people that go on on uh, recognized universities on scholarships. Like I went to Babson on a scholarship. So, yeah. But, uh, but yes, if you go from an accredited university, uh, you can be an, an angel investor. You can go to see the the results. What I see happening also, a lot of people are raising money. So, one of uh, Backstage Capital, uh, that is managed by Arlan Hamilton. Uh, raised over $5 million on crowdfunding for a fund for underrepresented founders. Mm -hmm. So that is happening. Now, here's, here's, and a lot of people want to help. A lot of people want to participate. COVID made us stop and not use our commute time for something else. So some people get depressed. Some people start thinking, okay, what are the fun things that I'm going to do? How can I change myself? Or, you know, I learned painting or I'm sick and tired of watching TV or, or whatever. But it has allowed a lot of people to use that useless time of driving into something else. Mm. And one of them is supporting um, startups. And I think we all want to support entrepreneurial activities. Uh, and that is good. But we need to know what we can do or not. If, for example, I don't invest in makeup because I hardly ever wear makeup and I don't know how the industry works. I don't invest in retail either, but I'm an engineer. I invest in hardware. I invest in things. I don't invest in meat. I don't invest in cannabis. So there, there's a lot of places, a lot of good deals that I don't invest in because I don't like the industry. And you know, why, sh why should I have to do that? But the thing is that somebody comes to me with a great idea. There's a great company called Teodora. Uh, it was, it was cosmetics from Brazil to support the Brazilian jungle. And it's, it was founded by this girl that was adopted at birth. Uh, and she never met her biological mother in Brazil, but she has lived here all her life and she has that connection. So she said, I'm going to do something for Brazil. And, you know, I can't help her. I don't know enough about the industry. But then what happens is that a lot of people are going to crowdfunding to support a company without being able to help because they don't know the industry or without having the capacity to execute because they don't have the contact with the entrepreneur. So I think that we're going to see a lot of people investing in crowdfunding, which is just taking off now. And then they're going to, they're going to collapse, not because they're risky business, but because it takes a lot of effort to run a business. And then you need to have the appropriate support and knowledge and the advisory team and the strategic team to continue your growth. So if you don't have that, you're going to have a higher risk. Uh, I was talking to, to one of the members of my club, um, one of the new members on Monday, and he asked me, what is the failure rate? And I said, well, you know, the failure rate for me, it's around five to 8%. Uh, but it's not because I make better decisions. It's because I help the company before they go busted. Right. 
So, right. so that <laughs> is, and that was a secret sauce for us in Chile. We didn't pick winners. We made winners. Mm-hmm. So we selected few and we made sure that we helped them continue to grow. I like that tagline. We don't pick winners. We make winners. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, Alicia, um, let's talk about Be- Venezuela for a bit, and then we can get into how people can, can contact you. But tell me, tell me about your time in La Central, in the Universidad Central de Venezuela. Oh, you know, I, I just get goosebumps. I mean, it was, you know, La Central, not only La Central, I mean, I lived in Venezuela that was, that was so special. It was uh, other things. We had a group. I studied agronomy, and then I have a master in biotech. Uh, and I work at at the grad uh, school for statistics because I love numbers and I was I was very inquieta intellectualmente. Uh, so I had many jobs at the university. Why out of all things did you choose agronomy? Oh, I chose agronomy because I read a book called La Miseria in Venezuela okay. de Chosudovsky. And he said that one in every five kids in Venezuela would die from starvation and i wanted to feed wow. people that's why i worked in a and i wow. wanted to create crops that were uh, i wanted to work with genetics to create co- crops that had better yields and then i i started studying how the improvement of yields is not the only thing because we need to take care of the environment and the soil has an influence on that and then when i went to work at bay and shell i was head of product development for pesticides And then I realized mm. that we could have a better system. So we had integrated systems and we lift the research profile of my team. My team was four, we ended up being 12. Uh, we launched uh, one every, when I joined, we were launching one product every two years. We ended up launching 10 or 12 per year. Uh, wow. But we increased the level of technical expertise in all the regions. And then I joined a group. I was the representative of uh, the industry and I was like 29. I was a representative of industry to the uh, good use of pesticides. Um, I promoted with two of my friends, my colleagues in other industries. We sat together. We were all Venezuelans and we sat together and said, we cannot let companies take over how we use pesticides because this is our soil. So, Oh, because pesticides damage the soil, right? Well, they damage they the can. soil and damage the environment. Right. And atracina, for example, is a good example. Atracina is atracines, they're herbicides. They don't affect humans, but they damage the soil and they oh. leach. And, you know, DDT was another issue. And then, and then we have uh, uh, glyphosate that you can buy here. Uh, it causes cancer. So, you know, we, we were just wow. working on our own. We got together and said, we need to do a better job. So we created a Comité para el Buen Uso de los Pesticidas, COBUP. But also... I gained a reputation because I had worked at the university, so I was a, I had a good uh, relationship not only with La Central, but with 12 universities. So I started doing uh, joint research with universities because I knew the problem at the university was access to capital. There you go. Because mm. you, you couldn't buy the products because you didn't have enough money. So I said, okay, we'll pay for the research, but the research has to include not only our products, but the competition, and you need to give us The, the re- so they were thinking, oh, she's going to try to manipulate the results. And I'm like, no, I want to understand how these things work. So You were basically creating like a, like an oversight for everyone, right? So that the market yeah, can, yeah, can be. Yeah. But what happens was that the, the industry decided that I was going to be the spokesperson 
in the new law of pesticides. And I had a great boss because um, he realized that we needed to do the right thing for the country. And that would also improve our brand. Wow. But it was doing the right thing that was going to make the difference. So I, had, I just had a great time. I learned so much. We did uh, total quality management, communication. I mean, I learned a lot. I learned. So that was, um, that was That's really, an amazing really story. I'm so happy you shared that because it's a, it's a happy, happy story from Venezuela. And like, you, you made such a great impact. Let's move towards closing the interview with some uh, advice for Venezuelans in the U.S. Um, in general. Um, and I think one thing that I want, I'd love for you to let us know is uh, how can we contact you, those entrepreneurs? But I think most importantly, like what should they do before they contact you? Like what's your expectations <laughs> when you see someone? Right, because I mean, uh, what are the things that you want for people when they contact you to have at least, uh, what homework would you like them to have done when they're seeking capital or just advice from you? Um, what would you okay. like to see the first meeting? Okay, well, the, the, okay, so a few things. Um, I have a lot of advice for free. You know, there's nothing worse than egotistic advice, but, you know, I, and, and this, is, this is the way it works. I give a lot of information about what has worked for me. Mm -hmm. It might not work for other people, but I hope that by doing that, I put it up there. I also have written several books, and one of them, uh, Funding Your Million Dollar Idea, talks a lot about the mistakes that I made. Because mm -hmm. uh, I started like 18 companies in, in four or five nonprofits. I have, an, I have a nonprofit. Um, I'll talk about yeah. it too. But so the first thing is there's a ton of information there, but this is what happens with Latinos. This is what kills us. We don't trust the people unless mm. we know them. And there's a lot of good consultants. And there's a lot of consultants that are giving you the wrong advice because they don't know. So mm -hmm. in terms of raising funds, I see a lot of people, consultants, that help you raise funds. And you need to ask them, okay, how much money have you raised? Because they have no clue. They just right. have no clue. And that's why I don't get involved in politics because I've never been in politics. So I have no clue. So it, it takes a while for somebody to realize that good intentions are not good advice. They're ill advice. One of the things that I see a lot is people telling you, you can't do this. And they tell you, you can't do this because they're afraid that you would fail because they don't see that there's a possibility for you. So we need to cut that. You never know what is possible until you go and experience. And when you see that it doesn't work, then you fix it. So, Success is not the opposite of failure. Success and failure are the opposite of inaction. So hmm. no matter what, you have to go and take action and you have to record. This is why I expected, this is what I happened. This is what I learned. Because you're always learning, you're always learning. So the one thing that keeps Latinos behind is that we don't trust the experts. We trust whoever we know. And, and we had to do a lot of work in Chile for that. The other thing is take it in steps. So you can go to the moon, but you cannot go alone and you need to go with the experts. So who do you want to invite to the party and who's going to help you continue to grow? And sometimes they help you for the next ladder and sometimes they build an elevator. It doesn't matter, but you need to choose who is the per 
perfect or the right appropriate person for that stage that you have. So we have a very hard time in Latin America um, connecting with people because we connect with people for life. <laughs> you don't have to connect with people for life. I mean, and angel investing is like That's getting so married knowing that you're going to get divorced. Mm. So, so that that is uh, that is uh, one thing. Um, one thing that we have that is very good that it takes us apart from other uh, in uh, other Latin Americans is our optimism. So we need to keep that, and we enjoy life. So you know we're going to hell and we're singing. <laughs> it used to be that we're that's going to heaven. To heaven. Yeah, 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 we're singing. Yeah, it's true. Yes. So, so that's something we need to keep because it makes us. Uh, yeah. It, it's funny it you say that. Really, really attractive. Um, sense of humor is really important. Don't take things personally. That's all of those mm. things are very important. Um, if we can combine that with good processes, because we believe more in intention and intuition than in data, that helps us uh, make the change. And the other thing is request for for honest feedback, because we can take that. Mm. Some people can't, but we can take. I mean, we call it gordo gordo. And a vieja vieja, <laughs> so and a negro negro. So sí, we sí, sí. we're very uh, blunt. We ca just call it as it is. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, so so that's an advantage. Uh -huh. And but in order, if you're talking to an Anglo-Saxon, you need to give them permission to give you feedback because mm. they won't give you feedback because they don't want to offend you. Offend you? That's so, right. That's right. So we're good at that. So we need to keep that. And the other thing is just just start small. Um, you you eat an elephant one bite at a time, mm. uh, and and the trick is constant growth. Constant growth. So an improvement, and and sometimes like I do that myself. What do I need to change? How do I keep growing? You know, you old the the old people. I want to be like those. You know, the old people that are excited about discovering things. I want to go to mm -hmm. Mars. Mm -hmm. So I, so you know, I'm always thinking. Okay, should I learn? Uh, you know, I, I used to play cuatro. Should I do that again? Oh, I, I danced. Uh, I learned tango. Um, what am I learning now? Should I aquarelle? Because I've never been a good painter. Or, you know, <laughs> sign language. I don't know. Something. And, you know, just constant improvement. That's, that is the trick. It's, it's not just thinking, you know, this failure. Failure doesn't define you. It's your attitude always. So just keeping improving. That's that. Uh, in terms of um, connecting with me. Uh, I'm very focused on post-seed investments. So I have the Wealthing Institute. It's all wealthing.com. I have, and, and my son is now working with me. He's in Australia. And so I will do whatever I can to help, a per to support a person for one hour. More than that, it has to be a commercial, uh, a, a commercial uh, contract. Um, if there's, events like this, I usually don't talk for free because I'm very busy. But if somebody is making money out of me, I need to get paid. And I and I tell everybody, especially women speakers, if somebody's making money out of you, you need a cut. So if somebody wants to um, hire me, I can talk, but I need to be respected professionally. And last, I have a nonprofit that sends food to Venezuela. It started with a limon, with an ancianato, that they were starving they were starving to death i mean they were not starving that they were skinny uh, ancianato san jose it has expanded we are uh we send 
basically food and medicine to Venezuela, and it's called Box of Life. If you want to go and, and, uh, and donate $1, it's $1. So, and if you don't, that's fine. But uh, just try to help somebody else and try to help another Venezuelan. Thank you so much, Alicia, for, for spending this time with us. I, I leave inspired and, and super proud of, of your journey. Um, and I've been waiting for this for a long time because one of the reasons that I've been working so hard on this Venezuela Diaspora project is inspired by your story um, and your oh. achievements. And so hopefully we can continue that tradition of uh, keeping the Venezuelan diaspora alive, helping ourselves out and creating a Venezuela outside of Venezuela in a way, right? I think the, the connections that you, like your nonprofit, it's sort of a testament to the fact that if we make our diaspora stronger, uh, there's a brighter future for our homeland. Um, either yeah. if that homeland is a piece of land or if it's now digital, <laughs> but, um, but there's a bright future ahead of us. And, and thank you so much for all your work. Thank you. And, and thank you for bringing me back to, to, to the La Central. That, that was such a, just such a great period. Yeah. Awesome. All right, guys. See you in the next one. And I hope you have enjoyed it. Bye. <laughs>